Hello, and welcome to Life on Maine, a daily podcast of Life on Maine in Charlestown, New Hampshire, where we discuss living life on the main purpose as designed by God. I am Pastor Tim Golden, and on these podcasts, we focus on growing in relationship with God, maturing in the faith through His Word, stewarding our relationships with one another, as well as learning to make disciples as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each day highlights one of these facets of spiritual character, growth, and stewardship, so be sure to come back each day to grow a strong and healthy walk with the Lord. Now, let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to show us today. Lord, we thank you once again for another day, uh, for giving us a beautiful day actually today. I don't know what kind of a day it is when people are watching this, but today it's beautiful and we do thank you for that. And We ask, Lord, that as we dig into your word, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would uh, enlighten our minds, that you would transform us from the inside out with these incredible words. Bring back to life once again what it really means that you did come to die for us. And may it do a great work within us and we give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. If you have the scriptures with you, you may turn, uh, we would love to have you, invite you to turn to Romans chapter 5. Um, I'm going to start reading around verse 6 and read through verse 10. Uh, Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 6 and going down through verse 10, or maybe even verse 11. Watch this. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But, remember, my favorite word in the scriptures is but. And the reason for that is because God gives us the problem or the situation, then he also gives us the answer. So you have the answer in verse 8, but God commanded his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, that's the second time he used that term, much more, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement, or I like reading that word, Tim, the at-one-ment. Mm. What, a, what a powerful portion of scripture this is for us. Go back to verse 6. When we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Mm. I like that due time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a little chorus we sing at CCC. You may sing it at Life on Main. In his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful in his time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I love that. And in and, and verse 6, in due time. Jesus did not come too early. He did not come too late. He came right on time. That's right. You know, and he, and he did the same thing for when he saved you and when he saved me. Mm-hmm. It was his due timing for that to happen. It is, because he has, you know, there comes a point in each of our lives where coming too soon, we're not ready. Waiting too long, we might have second thoughts. Yep. I don't know, but, uh, but like I said, there, there, there's a perfect timing to it. It's very much like when you think about um, harvesting uh, anything. Like we have these peach trees and pear trees on our property. You know what? You know when it's ready? Simply by going up and touching it. Because if you got a pole on it with any level of pressure, it's, it's not, not ready. ready. Yep. You know, but when it's ready, it just comes right off in your hands. And and it's that kind of a picture we're seeing here in, when we're talking about in this due time. And um, I said for each of us individually, but also in the course of history, there's so much that he had to lay out for us throughout the Old Testament to give us these beautiful pictures, as we've talked for you know a mm-hmm. number of weeks, and we'll probably even cover a little bit more today, but. Um, where God really painted a, sh- a picture, a portrait, of what is necessary for there to be any kind of hope to be delivered from sin. And, but even though the things that were instituted in the Old Testament were just temporary, they didn't really take care of the sin, 
you know, right. it, it, it just kind of... <laughs> it covered it, but it didn't take it away. Exactly. Yeah. And, but he showed us and painted these great pictures for us of what was necessary so that when Jesus Christ did come, people could look at him and say, wow, he truly is the fulfillment of all of this that, that had been laid out by God in the Old Testament. So there would be no question that he was really sent from God. You know, I really find this so interesting. And i got to tell you a story. Back in my very first pastorate, I was in St. John's Bay Center. This is back in, in 76 through 78, I believe it was. So that was a while ago. Mm. But we had, we had Phil and Charlotte Heath, a wonderful couple. I know they're both in heaven now. I was visiting a, an elderly lady, and she said to me, this elderly lady, Charlotte Goss was her name, she said to me, she says, Pastor, I wish you would go visit Charlotte and Phil Heath. I said, okay, I'll do that. So and then she hands me the phone. She was, she was in her bed. She hands me her phone and says, call them up. Okay, what's her number? So she gave me the number. I called them up, and I talked with Mrs. Heath. And, and I said, hi, this is Pastor Noyes, and I would just like to make an appointment to, to come and see you and, and Phil sometime, if I could do that. You know, now in the back of my mind, I was thinking, Charlotte, to say, well, how about next week sometime or whatever? Mm-hmm. And she said, how about tonight, 7 o'clock? Okay. So I got the directions on how to get there, and I, I went to the house. I was there about 7 o'clock, five minutes over, whatever, and I knocked on the door, and they let me in, and we sat in the living room and just started talking. And it was just a, a natural progression of talking. By 7.30, I had shared some scriptures, shared the gospel with them. By 7.30, both of them were kneeling in their living room, Trusting Christ as their personal mm, Savior. That's awesome. You know, and, and that's what gets me with this verse, in due time. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about the peaches. When they fall off the tree, right into your hand, you know, mm-hmm. without having to tug, without having to fight, without, I mean, that, I mean, I will never, ever forget that. Another thing about Phil Heath that was so amazing, he had a terrible stuttering problem. I mean, he couldn't talk without stuttering. You know, and, and what does a country singer, I think, Charlie Pride, or one of them, that, that he stuttered a lot, but when he sang, he didn't stutter. Anyway, when he prayed, he never stuttered. Mm. He never stuttered when he prayed, but when, you know, any other time. But just wow. I, in due time, and I love that. When God's timing is right, it's just like picking that ripe fruit right off the tree. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, I mean, that's just a marvelous thing about it. You know, another thing about verse 6, six, Tim, that really comes pointing right out to me is that he came when we were without strength. Mm -hmm. There's nothing mankind could do to right the matter. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, and it's when mankind knew that there was really no hope for them. I mean, there was 400 years of silence before Jesus came. Mm-hmm. So they were far away from God. Yep. And, you know, I'm not, I'm, certainly I'm not going to believe that certainly everybody knew, oh no, we're in trouble, God needs to come. No, it wasn't that way. But God, you know, had touched the hearts of people saying, hey, you know something? You now, you know, this is the lowest point in humanity. Mm. I'm going to send my son now. Yep. Because that's when you need him. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I just love that. I just think it's so great. Yeah, when well, we would, and, and it's not just that they lack the strength; they lack the desire too. Yep. You know, because it tells us that he came and died for the ungodly. That's the that's the one that really jumps out at me because it's, it's not this aspect. Of we and I've heard it. I'm sure you've heard it a lot in, in your churches over the years. I'll come to church when I get my life straightened out. Yeah. You know, or I'll come to God when I start getting things kind of put in order. And that's, first of all, you'll never ever get the pieces in order on your own because you can't do it. But this is, Christ came when we were not even wanting to follow. It wasn't just not having the strength, because you cannot have the strength but have the desire. Mm -hmm. But here they didn't have the strength or the desire. And in the midst of that, he was so overcome by love that he would be willing to leave having everything at his disposal in heaven. To come and live an earthly life of hardship, I'm not I'm don't even, not even thinking about the death part. Right, he didn't have a place he could lay his head. 
through his adult years, it yep. tells us. And so this was not an easy life that he was going to even live, not to mention the death he was going to have to suffer. But yet, he was willing, while we were still in that ungodly state, say, no, I love them enough. I don't care where they're at. I'm going to do what's necessary to reach yep. them. Now, certainly one of the things, just, just to back up a little bit, we know that after the days of Noah, God had made a promise mm -hmm. that he would not destroy the earth again. I mean, in his totality. Mm -hmm. All right? And he gave us the, the sign with the rainbow that he would not ultimately destroy the whole world again. So that leaves God with one option. Mm. And, that's, and, and what is that option? Well, if I, you know, I can't destroy them like I did at the days of Noah. So what do I have to do? I now have to bring a fix. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and to fix the problem, there's only one way to do that. Mm -hmm. My son has to go down and pay the price mm -hmm. for sinful mankind. That's it. And it's not that it was an afterthought. Oh, it, exactly. It, it, it's not like I, he destroyed the world, now all great. Now they're yep. messing up again. Well... Well, I kind of did away with the flood thing. What am I going to do now? Yeah, well, I no, guess no. I'm left to sending my son. No, this was a plan that he had in place even before the foundations of the yep. earth. Yep. You know, even before sin entered in, he had this plan that if and when this happens, this is going to be what is going to be required yep. to bring salvation to mankind. And so the decision was made before creation. Yep. I mean, he, he had the salvation plan already figured out before the thing that was going to need to be saved was yep. even in the works. Yeah, even, so even before the flood, mm -hmm. even before, you know, the sin of the world and, and everybody but the eight that were in the ark, I mean, God knew all that. Mm -hmm. But he also knew that he had the alternative plan already set up. Mm -hmm. and, and what a remarkable thing. You know, so if you use the flood example, you say, wait a minute, God still spared us because he saved the eight mm -hmm. to repopulate so that we could be here knowing that he was going to have to send his son for you mm -hmm. and me. And so that in verse eight of this wonderful chapter, he goes and says, but God commanded his love towards us. When did he command that love towards us? Not only on Christmas morning, for example, that we celebrate the, you know, the incarnation of Christ, mm -hmm. but he did it way before the foundations of the world. Yeah. He commanded his love towards us in a while we were yet sinners. Mm -hmm. You know, so we look into the past, you know, and see that beyond eternity, this was already arranged. This was already yeah. done. Yeah, it, it, it's totally mind-blowing when, when you really think about it, that his love would go to that level because i don't know about you but it's a good thing for all of us that i'm not god yeah you know and I, i'm sure that comes as a shock to everybody but um but i mean stop and think about the whole noah situation yeah you've got how many people on the face of this planet and not a one of them first of all it tells us not only were they wicked it tells us that not even one single thought was not evil yeah i mean i not, a, not a, a single good thought, and that, that's how bad the world was. And out of this entire world, this entire population, there's one man, not even eight, there was one man that found favor right. in God's eyes, and God chose to spare him and his entire family of yep. eight people. Entire world, totally corrupt, one family. If I had been God, you know, think about it. If, if we make a drawing, or, or, or we create anything, and you take the percentage of that that's actually worth keeping, is that is probably less than 0.1%. Yeah. Are we going to save that? We're no, we'll it, it up and throw it in the garbage. Yep. It's done. I'm going to just start fresh. Forget all this. I mean, even if it's, you know, 10% good, it's, it's going in the garbage. Yep. But that's not God. God saw one man on the entire face of the planet and was willing to do whatever was necessary to preserve rather than start fresh. So what does that tell us? That even at the point and when Jesus Christ died, if there is still only going to be one person 
-hmm. who would trust Christ as their Savior, he still would have come down and died for them. That's it. You know, if I was the only person to ever live on this earth or that would ever look at him mm -hmm. and trust him as my Savior, he still would have come down and died for me, mm -hmm. just like he did for Noah. Yeah. Isn't that, to me, that's, I mean, that's mind-boggling. It is. And, but yet what people so often do is they look at what God did to the entire population. Oh, look how, you know, how unmerciful God is. Mm -hmm. No, he was incredibly merciful. Just the fact that he was even willing to spare that one. Yeah, yeah. You know, if we go down to verse 9, Tim, in this, uh, much more than, and this is the first of two much mores. Mm -hmm. Much more than being now justified. What's justified mean? To be just as if I never sinned. Just as if I never sinned. So when God, when Jesus died for us, he made us just as if we had never, ever had that bad thought, did that sinful deed, whatever the case is. Now, this is through God's eyes. We have to remember that this justification is the eyes of God looking at you and me. Because certainly, you can look at me and say, Harold, I know you're a sinner. Mm -hmm. You know, um... I've known you long enough to know that, right? <laughs> uh, you don't have to know me very long to know that. But in God's eyes, when he sees you and me, it is by the blood of Christ that he sees us just as if we have never sinned. Right. What, a, what a remarkable statement that is. This, is. this is Jesus coming and dying, the perfect Son of God, coming and dying, shedding his blood, and washing us with the blood so that God the Father can look upon you and me. Mm -hmm. Because before that, he couldn't, because what? We were full of sin. Right. And, and it's so important for us to also realize with that, that, uh, yeah, and it's just as if we never sinned. But it's not this concept of God's just going to turn a blind eye to everything. Yep. And I think there's a lot of people that sometimes think that, you know, well, God, God will just not look at that, and he'll just yeah. ignore it, you know. And the word justification begins with four letters that spell just, right? He is a just God. It deals with judgment. It deals with justice, which means that where there are laws in place, when those laws are broken, there has to be some sort of um, recompense for that, right? right? And I mean, I think of the old uh, no, movie with Nicolas Cage, National Treasure. And at the end of that, you know, it's kind of like, well, I'd really like not, I really would like to not have to go to jail. And, mm -hmm. and the guy looks at him and says, Somebody's got to go to jail, Ben. You know, there's a price that has to be paid. There's been something very unjust done here, and there's got to be a price made. And so God is not just saying he's just turning a blind eye. Justification is that understanding that there was something that had been broken, and there's going to have to be a price paid. There's going to have to be some sort of recompense here. And the difference is, though, with the justification is that God has cast a sentence, and I heard it put this way once. It's like he sits, at, sits as judge and says, this is the penalty for the sin, and then he takes his robe off and comes out from behind the judgment seat and says, now I'm willing to pay the price. Yes, yeah, 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 that, that is neat. And, and, you know, it's just like, and, and the picture is this. You know, the, the Word of God tells us that, that the, the devil goes up and he brings accusations against you and me. Mm -hmm. He brings accusations against anybody, right? Mm -hmm. And he goes up and he looks at God and he says, God, you know, I just saw Harold Noyes do this, or I heard Harold Noyes say this, or whatever the case, and he is guilty of that. And Jesus Christ stands up, shows the nail prints in his hands, and God the Father puts a gavel down and says, not guilty. Because that's the price that Jesus Christ paid. There's another word that, that comes to mind is equity. Mm. For justice. You know, there has to be a payment. We talked about that last week, I think, on this program, right? Jesus came to pay, or two weeks ago, Jesus came to pay a ransom for us. Yep. That's what he did. Mm -hmm. He paid our ransom. Now, there were benefits, and that's one of the things that, that really excited me about this program, is that, yes, Jesus died. But not just only to die. Mm -hmm. But he died with a purpose, and that purpose was to bring benefits to those for whom he died. Mm -hmm. So you and I, and anybody who's watching who knows Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, Jesus Christ died and brought benefits for us. For example, we have it in verse 9. We are justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath 
through him. So what is the first benefit that you and I would look at? Saved from wrath. I'm saved from wrath. Well, what is wrath? Mm -hmm. That would be God's judgment. Mm -hmm. That would be God's anger. Mm -hmm. That would be God, you know, pulling the plug on us and saying, hey, that's it. Mm -hmm. And that wrath has got to be satisfied. Yeah. It's got to be satisfied one way, shape, or form. Yeah, so, so Jesus Christ paid that. Can you imagine, and, and it's hard for me to fathom this, but to imagine the wrath for the sins of the whole world was placed upon that one man, mm. Jesus Christ, upon the cross at Calvary. I mean, if, if we can, I can't even fathom that. I can't picture all the sin, all the hate, and all the unjust things, and all, everything was placed upon his, do you think he had a load on his shoulders when he was on that cross? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. You know, but that's what he did for mm -hmm. you and for me. And because of Jesus Christ being willing to come and die, God took that death mm -hmm. as payment for you and for me. Mm -hmm. And to save us from the wrath of God. Now, one of the things that we need to maybe discuss just for a moment is God is saying to us in verse 9 that there's one of two places that mankind's going to go. Mm -hmm. Right? If you're saved, that means we're going to go to heaven and be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. And there's a lot of scripture that proves that. However, if I don't know Christ as my personal Savior, what am I going to face one day? You will face judgment. You will face and, judgment. And you will have to pay the price because you didn't accept the price that had already been offered. And, you know, I, without getting gory, and I don't, you know, I, I don't want to get gory on this program, but just to, to see what that payment would be, what that wrath would be like. Mm. There'd be whining and weeping. There'd be gnashing of teeth. You know, have you ever heard anybody say to you, well, Pastor, I, I decided, I'm, you know, when I die, I'm just going to go be with all my friends, and we're going to party anyway. You know, guess what? You don't have any, any knowledge of what hell is going to be like. First of all, it's going to be dark, like blackness like you've never seen. So you're, never, you're not even going to be thinking about anybody around you. Mm -hmm. You won't be able to see anybody around you. Remember now, your mind is not going to be Hey, my buddy Joe's here next to me. No, nuh-uh. No, you're the only one you're going to be thinking about. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, the rich man with Lazarus. You know, and, and the rich man, you know, he's, you know, oh, my, my tongue is parched and, and my, I'm so dry. Would you, would you take a little dip of water and put it on my, just on my lips? You know, no, it can't be. Why? Because there's no going in between the two. Yeah. So... You know, that's what he saved us from. Yeah. It'll truly be eternal torment. Yeah. And, and if you stop and think about when you touch a stove, that immediate sense of pain that you feel when you realize, I just did something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then you take your hand off. And it still burns afterwards a little bit, but it's less than what it was feeling when it was on that burner. But imagine that level of sensation unending. That is hell. Yep. You know, in fact, one of the pictures that Jesus painted of hell was he used an example of a, a very, um, and he used a word of something that they were very familiar with, and it was a dumping ground mm -hmm. in that area. And that dumping ground where all the refuse went was a place where there were always fires burning. The fires could not be quenched in that place. They would just, just from all the methane and everything else, the fires would just continually just happen spontaneously and he used that as an example of what hell was going to be like and I can't imagine the stench and just that that sensation that picture again of burning um, eternally and spontaneously you know just it does it creates a picture that yeah. it's just um, horrific you know another picture I was thinking of when you were describing that and, and you said it just a moment ago can you imagine being in all eternity and knowing that you heard the gospel, knowing that God gave you a zillion chances to come to know him as personal savior and you rejected him? Can you imagine an eternity of saying, boy, that was dumb. Mm 
That was stupid. I was an idiot. Because I had all these chances to, to trust Jesus Christ and to be taken out of this, and I rejected it. Can you imagine having that mindset for all eternity? Yeah, just knowing things could have been Could have different. been different. Could have been, yeah. Could have been, instead of torment, you could be in a place of joy and happiness and singing and, and the glory, the Shekinah glory of God and the light that is there and, yeah. and all of that. I mean, you know, but that's why Jesus Christ came. Mm -hmm. He came to pay the price so that we who couldn't pay the price would still get the benefits. Mm -hmm. And that is to be saved from wrath through him. And by the way, so many people like to think that I can get saved on the multi-different faceted ways of doing it. But according to verse 9, there's only one way to be saved. Mm -hmm. Through him. Through yeah. Jesus Christ, God's son. Mm -hmm. That is the only way. Yeah. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's no right. man comes to the Father except by me. John 14, 6, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the way it is. Now, watch this. For if when we were enemies, verse 10, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Mm. Isn't that neat? Because you know something? If Jesus Christ had never come, guess what? There'd never be salvation. That's right. But by his life, we mm. were was, was saved. You know, and, and what's the word reconciled mean, Tim? What, what? Well, Oh, like actually, that's him on the spot. Well, actually, that's how put me on the spot. I just preached on the spot two weeks ago. <laughs> Good. Um, this word reconciliation, other than being a very, very big word. Yeah, yeah, can't spell but, it. What sure. it's dealing with is it's this concept of, I, you know, I don't know about you, but if I go out and decide I need something for my feet, I go and I buy a pair of shoes. Every store I've gone into, they don't let you buy just one. Mm -hmm. They come in a pair. And so they're meant to be together. And, and so we bring them home. We cut that little plastic thing because mm -hmm. you can't break it no matter how hard you try. Right. And, um, and as one person said, maybe we're not supposed to cut that. Maybe, maybe that's supposed to stay there so we don't lose them. But what happens is, is we have these two shoes, and inevitably there comes a day where we find one and we wonder where the other shoe walked off to. Mm -hmm. We just don't have a clue. And so we go and we go searching for that other shoe. And when we find it we bring it back into relationship with that first shoe and that is the picture of reconciliation it's this aspect that something was meant to be together they, they were never ever meant to be apart somehow got separated and now something has happened a search and rescue mission took place to grab that thing bring it back into proper relationship with um, as it was originally meant to to have and so that is reconciliation it's this picture that we were meant to be with god from the beginning of time he set that up in Genesis chapter 1. Sin separated us. We became the shoe that walked off. Mm -hmm. And he sought out to grab us and to bring us back into relationship with the Father, with the other shoe. You know, that's a great analogy because I was just thinking in my mind, you know, how many times have I put one shoe on, couldn't find the other shoe, so I limp around the house trying to find that other shoe. <laughs> yeah, and mankind was limping for a long, long time until mm. Jesus Christ came. That's it. You know, and he brought it back together. Mm -hmm. Good analogy. I love that. I love it. So, reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved. So, not only do we have the death of Christ, but the benefit of the death of Christ mm. is that we shall be saved by his life. That's what this is all about. Mm -hmm. This whole book right here is about the life of Jesus Christ, starting, as you said, in Genesis 1. Yeah. And especially we know in Genesis 3.15, mm -hmm. that wonderful portion of Scripture where he goes and says, okay, Satan, you're going you're gonna, to, you know, bruise his heel, but I'm going to squash your head. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, I, like that I, I love that. I love that, <laughs> that analogy. Okay. So now you have verse 11. And not only so, so not only are we saved from wrath, and he also goes in verse 11 and says, not only so, but we also joy in God when? Mm -hmm. When I get to heaven? Nope. Now, no. right? I can joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received. When did I receive it? No. Now. 
I don't have, you know, so many people think my salvation starts when I die and I go to heaven. No, my salvation started the moment that I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. I have now been called, given the awonement mm -hmm. with God. Yeah. God and I are like this now. Now, that does not mean that, you know, Harold Noyes is good enough. No, it means that God has lapsed onto me and yeah. he will never let me go. In John chapter 10, there's a beautiful picture where Jesus is speaking and he says, no, my father, no, no one shall take you from my father's hand. Okay? Very next verse, he goes and says, and no one shall pluck you from my hand. So I always picture that. I just love this picture. I picture that. Here I am as a child. I've got God the Father on one side. I've got God the Son on the other side. They're both holding on to my hand as I cross the street. You know, just as we parents do when our kids were little. You know, and God will never allow anyone or anything to pluck us from his hand. Never. You know, some people, you know, some, some religious groups, and, and once again, I'm not knocking them at all. I just don't think they know scripture well. You know, they, they, de they deny eternal security. But how can you deny eternal security if the Father will never let anybody pluck you from his hand, and the Son will never let you pluck him, be plucked from their hand? Hey, wait a minute. I'm secure. Why? Because God will never let go of me. I am saved from the wrath and I have received the atonement mm -hmm. by Jesus Christ and by his blood. And to me, that's the atonement. Well, how many times did Jesus have to come down and die? Mm -hmm. Once. He died once for all sin. Mm -hmm. So, all sin. Wait a minute. What is included in all sin? My past sin, my present sin, my future sin. Mm -hmm. He died once for all sin. That's what Jesus Christ accomplished. Yeah. By, the, by his death upon the cross at Calvary. Jesus came to die. Isn't that, to me, that's remarkable. It is, but the key thing is that we have to remember that we have got our will, that we have got to surrender completely to him. Mm -hmm. and, and I guess that's probably where maybe some, and I know there are some that will actually preach that, well, if you mess up one time, you're going to hell. Yeah. You know, and, and that is definitely very, very unbiblical. Um, but I think at the same token, um, you know, there is this aspect of understanding that we do have this free will, and nothing, nothing can, pl can pluck us from God's hand. The only thing that will ever get in the way would be us saying, you know what, I want nothing to do with God. Yep. You know, and that's what keeps us away from him in the first place, right? And so that would be the only possible thing that would ever be able to get in the way. And, you know, and that's called apostasy. Right. So my question, and, yeah, my question is this. Did they ever really know God in the first place? Mm. You know, because in that, you know, I look at it and say, wait a minute, I've been saved now 50 years. Mm -hmm. Not once, never in my 50 years have I ever thought, you know, I didn't buy into this. I want out. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I, to know my life before I came to Christ and to know my life now, why would I want to go back to the dump? Yeah, I know I wouldn't. I mean, you know, <laughs> so, so to me, that is the, that is the, the, picture or the cement that helps me to know that I'm saved because I don't desire to go back to the old life. Right. And Paul talked about that, right, in, right. in Romans 7 when he, and he talked about the fact that there is a difference between doing, you know, actually doing a sin and actually willfully doing that sin, right? The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. So he talks about this inconsistency in his life that is a problem, and he's wondering what can ever rescue him from this body of death, but then in chapter 8, verse 1 says, there's now therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Right. So, but what, you've, what you're really seeing played out there in his life is, yes, I, I find myself still messing up, but in my heart, right, heart-line ministries, heart right? Ministry, right. in my heart, I don't want to do that. And, and, and you know that you're in that point when you mess up, and when the Lord kind of taps you on the shoulder and said, that's displeasing to me, what's your reaction? Yeah. That will determine your heart. If your reaction is, ah, no, I'm going to do it. I, did, I had fun then. I'm going to do it again. Yeah. You know, maybe the heart ain't right. Maybe he isn't really Lord there, you know. But is there some remorse? Is there some regret? Is there, oh, God, I'm sorry. 
you yeah. know, and a genuineness, not just because you're caught. Yeah, and that's where last week, remember, we talked about repentance. Mm -hmm. And repentance is not, I'm sorry. Right. Repentance is doing a 180 and going the other way. Mm -hmm. and, and that is the key. Matter of fact, I think, Tim, that now leads us to John chapter 12. Because in John chapter 12, Jesus is now speaking and starting right around... Um, 23, 24, right in that area. Listen to what he says. Jesus answered them saying, the hour is come that the Son of Man, meaning himself, mm -hmm. should be glorified. Truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life, or life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servants be. If any man serve me, him will my father on it. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. So he's saying, for this reason I came. Mm -hmm. Why? I came to die. Why did I come to die? I came to die to bear fruit. Yeah. You see? So whether that fruit was just one person, like in the days of Noah, mm -hmm. or whether the fruit are the millions that you know, we read about and that, that have come to know Jesus Christ as their personal mm -hmm. Savior. But there's something that had to happen. They had to die first. Yeah. Jesus died on the cross, but I had to die on the cross with him. Mm -hmm. How do I know that? Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. You all right? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Mm -hmm. So, I am crucified with Christ. I need to recognize, we need to recognize, all of us need to recognize, that when Jesus died on the cross, we were on the cross with him. Mm -hmm. Because I was crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but it's now Christ living in me. Mm -hmm. And that is the difference. That is the difference from someone just simply mouthing some words and asking Jesus to come into to their life and to save them, or to really have a heart experience. Remember, salvation does not come up here. Salvation comes here. Mm -hmm. Faith does not come from the head. Faith comes from the heart. Mm -hmm. That's where it has to come. Yeah. And therefore... You know, we have to know that except a corn, uh, a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it shall bring forth much fruit. Mm -hmm. And that is, that's what God's called you and me to do, mm -hmm. right? Yep. It's to bring forth. Now, I think a lot of people may have a, um, a, a wrong definition of what fruit is. You know, there's some people who say, well, pastor, I, I haven't borne any fruit. I, I have, I've never led a person to Christ. Is that the only fruit there is? No. Yeah. What other fruit is there? There's all kinds of fruit. <laughs> there's apples, there's peaches, there's pears. <laughs> and they all taste a little different. No. Um, yeah, that's one thing. Um, but other areas, I mean, the number one fruit that we are called to bear is this relationship with Christ. Right. You know, it, it, it's understanding, and, and it's another picture that we can kind of plug in and kind of look at side by side with this, I think, to get even a more full definition, would be this picture of adoption. Because God says that we've been adopted in the family of sons. We are co-heirs with Christ, right? And so, but what happens when you become adopted? Number one, there's a price that has to be paid, right? And, and there was a price that was paid for us, mm -hmm. right? And when you become... In, brought into that family, you are grafted into that family. You now take on the name of that family. You are expected to take on the characteristics of that family. It's no longer just living for yourself. You now are living as a part of that family unit. And, and so we're coming in, and so in a sense, just as that adopted child almost dies to their old heritage, to become part of this new heritage, so we are doing the same thing under Christ. We are choosing to die to our old self. We're choosing to go on the ground, so that that which takes place within us is the life of the family. And so, which is another aspect of the fruit, which is the, the 
uh, we read in uh, Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit. Right. Well, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, and self-control. And those things are aspects of the fruit of Christ being born within us. We begin to look like Jesus. You know, one of the things that I, that I love, and, and Paul, I think, pictures this in, in 2 Corinthians, where he talks about rewards. And he says, yeah, you know, there's going to be rewards for those who are evangelists, like the Billy Grahams and so forth, or, or us as pastors who have had the privilege of leading people to Christ. But there's also rewards for those who have lived the life that helped those people to see, wait a minute, there's something else to life. You know, I want what they have. Now, that person may not have shared the gospel verbally with them, but they shared the gospel just through their life. Mm -hmm. And Paul says that when the rewards are given out, not only will it be given out to the evangelist, or the person who prays the prayer with the person or leads them, but also will be for anyone who has affected that life for Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's multifaceted. You know, I think of, for example, um, you know, the girls that died in the fire when I got saved. There's a lot of people who are still, even though that, that happened 50 years ago, there's still people who are hearing that story about that fire. And that's why the judgment seat of Christ has not happened yet. Yeah. Why? Because there are people who have passed who are still winning people to Christ whether it be the J. Ritter McGee's who have written things. Mm -hmm. We just lost, by the way, we just lost a great Bible teacher today, this morning. Mm. Rabbi Zachariah passed away. Oh, he did. Okay. Rabbi Zachariah. You, you won't get a better, more thorough teacher than Rabbi Zachariah was. Mm. But even though he's now in glory this morning, he's still going to have rewards coming to him because of his writings and his teachings and, mm -hmm. and all of that. You know, so there's a whole lot to this fruit picture. Mm -hmm. Jesus came to bear fruit. He told us we should bear much fruit, but then he goes on and said we would bear more fruit. Mm -hmm. So he, he, there's a progression there that I think yeah. happens. Well, and you're sharing that story. I'm reminded of um, a story we talked about. Um, it, it, and this brings back to light about how far the fruit goes. Um, the, can you imagine the rewards that, would be, that were awaiting Billy Graham, mm -hmm. right, when, when he went to be with Father? Well, did you stop and think about the person that led Billy Graham to the Exactly. Point? And I believe that was Whitehead, yep. who was also another great evangelist. Now think, he's got the fruit of all of his ministry plus all of Billy Graham's ministry. Yep. Who yep. was the one that led him to the Lord? It was Moody. Yep. And now Moody's got, I mean, he was a great evangelist. Yeah, and then you got Billy Sunday, mm -hmm. I think is also involved there. Yeah. But you take it all the way back, what it all comes down to is there's one little gray-haired Sunday school teacher mm -hmm. who led Moody to the Lord, you know, and that woman is going to reap all those other benefits. Yeah. But even, but, and, and we'll never know who that is. Sometimes we won't know the effect of our lives. Exactly. She, she may have never known the effect of what Moody would yeah. even become, no less that everybody else that he would impact. Um, but here's the other thing I have to share. Maybe you will never, ever have a direct Im influence into a life of a, a Billy Graham-type individual. Yep. But what does it matter? Jesus taught a parable about the talents. And in that parable, he talked about how to one he gave five, one he gave two, and one he gave one talent. And even one talent's a fair amount of money. Yep. Um, it's not talking about skills. Um, but what happened was, was two things. First of all, it precedes that whole... Um, statement saying that the owner gave to each one as he was able right so he knew what each one was able to accomplish so he gave to the one that you know had maybe greater skills greater abilities in one area he gave five to another one and to another one two and then one in. and we know the one that did five and two you know they got rewards the one that did one buried it and we won't talk about him but <laughs> But what gets me is the one that was given five and the one that was given two, you look at the reward that they each got, it was the same reward. Yep. So it, it's not even, and this is something we got to get out of our minds, I think, sometimes, is this, this kind of idea of how we measure success in the kingdom of God. God measures success one way. Were you obedient? Yep. Did you do what it is I called you to do? Maybe God wants you to be a Billy Graham. Well, go out there and be a Billy Graham. But you know what? Maybe he wants you just to be a little gray-haired Sunday school teacher. Yep. 
you know, then you do that. And you do it with everything that God has given you to be able to do that with. Maybe it's to clean out sewers. Maybe that's what he's called you to do. You know what? Do it all for the glory of God because he's got a reason he has you there. And there's a life that's going to be impacted whether you see it or not. And you will be rewarded based on your faithfulness and obedience to him. You know, I, you know that, that is just so amazing how, you know, we look at it. And none of us know exactly when we get to glory. Mm-hmm. There's a wonderful song. I mean, it's one of my favorites. My youngest son sang it in our church one Sunday morning, uh, Nathaniel. And there wasn't a dry eye in the church. And it's called, Thank You. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you for giving to the Lord. You know, I was that missionary that came and you gave that dollar and it fed these families. Thank you for giving, you know, that, those coins or that dollar or whatever the case may be. Or, or thank you for being that Sunday school teacher or thank you for being that neighbor, whatever the case yep. is. Now, there's another thing that Jesus did. When Jesus came, he came for a purpose, to bear fruit. And in John chapter 15, Starting with verse 13 and 14, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. What is it Jesus Christ wants you and me to be to him? Friends. Friends. There's another portion of scripture where it says that Jesus calls us his brethren. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to be a friend, now to be called the brethren. Mm -hmm. Adopted into that family, placed, (coughs) excuse me, into that thing. What a remarkable thing. And then you get in verse 13, uh, 14, you are my friends. Mm. Wow. What a remarkable thing. But there's a qualifier. If it's the word because or sense. All right. If it's not the word of a question, mm-hmm. it is a statement. So he goes and says, you are my friends because you do what I have commanded you. Mm-hmm. Not that you've done what I've commanded Pastor Noise or Pastor yeah. Tim. No, you do what I've commanded you to do. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the whole picture of what we've been talking about today. That's right. Is, wait a minute. This is what God's called me to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and what a wonderful thing for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, yeah. to be able to wrap his arms around me and say to me, Harold Noise, you are my friend. Mm-hmm. And Harold Noise, you are my brother. Mm. You're part of my family. You've been adopted with all equal rights that I have. Mm. I give to you. That's why Jesus died. He came to bear much fruit. And just thinking about that, and I've given you equal rights as co-heirs, and when did I do it? Before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world when you were yet sinners. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know? You know, Talk about a mind-blowing experience. If we, if we really grab this and run with this, this is truly a mind-blowing experience that Jesus Christ came mm-hmm. to do the will of the Father, and one of the things that was the will of the Father was to die a horrendous death, take the sin of the whole world upon himself mm-hmm. so that we could be saved from God's wrath. Mm-hmm and then be called friends and brethren and his family. Which brings me back to this concept of adoption again. Because you know what, when we have our own kids, and I'm not saying that we don't love our kids, so, you know. But I think the greatest love is when you see a family adopt a child. Mm-hmm. Because you know, in that moment, that child, even though they, you know, the enemy will be there to try to say, yeah, they're not your blood family. But you know what, they chose you yeah you didn't choose them right and 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 so they went out of their way they went to the nth degree to make you a part of their family and that is an incredible great love that sometimes can even go beyond giving birth in a blood family yeah 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 because it's a choice i mean it is it is a sacrifice that they made to do that Mm -hmm. you know um, one last scripture, and, and Colin has, has given us a sign that time is coming up. In First, in First Thessalonians chapter five, verse ten, speaking about Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake, being us alive today, or whether we sleep, we have gone to glory. The word sleep means have gone, uh, have passed away, have gone. 
all right? So sleep. We should live together with him. Mm -hmm. I am to live with him today, being alive, yep. knowing that one day I will live to him, live with him for all eternity. Mm -hmm. That's why Jesus Christ came to die and to be a ransom for us and to pay the price for us that we would live mm -hmm. with him forever. Yep. Folks, let me just be as, as, as blunt as I can. There is a heaven and there is a hell. To trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior will guarantee you that you will go to heaven. If you don't, I will guarantee you you'll go to hell. Mm -hmm. One of two places. Yes. And, and I've heard people say, well... I'll make that decision just before I go. No. And my only thought to that is, Noah, I hope you have that option. Yeah. Because you, most people don't. You, you know, sometimes death comes when you least expect it. Yeah. And, but Look at all you lose. Yeah, and, and that's it. Is, you know, the people that say, well, I'll, I'll make that decision maybe that when, when I see things, when, when I'm older, yeah. you know, after I've lived my life. And my question to them is simply this, why wait? Yeah. Why would you want to? As you said, as we talked about last week, between the two of us, we have almost 100 years of walking with yeah, the Lord. Yeah. Why would you want to wait? I mean, that, that, this is the voice of 50 years on, for each of us speaking. We have been there, you know, and, and we have walked with God. And I wouldn't want, I, I'm so glad I didn't wait any yeah. longer than I did to walk with him. And because real life start, can start now yeah. and starts when you follow And him. that's the thing is, and, and one other last question is who guarantees you a waiting time? Mm -hmm. You and I could walk out of this place, go into the, in the, the parking lot here at the hospital and be hit by a, by a Vermont transit bus. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. I mean, I could be walking up the stairs and die of a heart attack. I, I'm not guaranteed that there's a waiting time. Nobody sure. is. So right now, the Word of God says today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of salvation. Ask Jesus to come to your heart. Tell him you know you're a sinner. You agree with him, the fact that you're a sinner, but that he died for you and that he came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. We want to thank you for tuning into today's broadcast. We pray that it was beneficial for you. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for another episode of Life on Main. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website at lifeonmain.org. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifeonmain, where you can learn about upcoming events and find links to videos of these broadcasts and sermons. You can also view our sermons on our YouTube channel at bit.ly slash lifeonmain, with each of those words capitalized. Thanks for listening to Life on Main, and may God bless you.